Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey everyone, Jose Youngs here with MMAFighting.com, host of the A-Side live chat. Just a quick heads up, we did have some technical difficulties with this episode, so no, you are not imagining things. This episode did start rather abruptly and end rather abruptly, but we got almost all of the episode squared away ahead of UFC 252 on Saturday. Again, apologies for the little uh, technical difficulties with this episode, but we hope to see you back in future episodes. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. First question. I'm going to keep it easy. Uh, first question is, Jose, what is that movie Yo. called where the guy fights in a Thai prison? Oh, uh, I believe it's called A Prayer Before Dawn. I don't remember the actor's name, but if anyone watches uh, Peaky Blinders, uh, The Green Room, or the Black Mirror episode, uh, Hang the DJ, it's, uh, it's that male character. Uh, it's the main protagonist. He plays... Jonathan, I want to say, John in Peaky Blinders. He is an Englishman who goes to jail in Thailand for, I think he has drugs or something, he gets arrested, and he's a former kickboxer. So in Thai jail, you can join the pro team, pro team, and then fight rather than spend your time just in a Thai jail. So it's his ordeals in that. And I highly recommend it. There's almost no dialogue. and If there is dialogue, it's all in Thai. Or when he speaks this in English. So uh, one of my favorite Muay Thai movies. It's probably second after Ang Bok. So 10 out of 10. Give it a watch if you haven't. All right. Is this uh, What prompted this question? Is this a new movie? or? No. I think I talked. Someone asked a question about it in a post-fight show. And I couldn't remember the name of it. And I looked it up after. Uh, uh, but definitely give it. I think who's the. He's the main character in. What's that biker show that everyone was obsessed with? Uh, Sons of Anarchy. What's oh, that yeah. actor's name? He plays King Arthur. He was supposed to be the lead, but then he bailed for whatever reason. So, uh, but give it a watch. I highly, highly. If you like Muay Thai, specifically like watching Muay Thai in like dimly lit <laughs> cigar smoke filled rooms, watch that movie. Because in my opinion, that's the best way to watch Muay Thai. All right best way to watch Muay Thai. Well, also, um, Showtime actually has a documentary about the, the same thing. Uh, the, well, just the um, promise of uh, getting out of prison through winning yeah. a fight. So um, it is a real thing, and there's a documentary about it. So so you can shorten your prison sentence if you do really well in the fight scene? or Yes. I think so. And he goes, it's like, obviously, there's some drama to it. Like, he gets really hurt, and they're like, you can't fight anymore. And he's like, I have to fight. I have to get out. And then he has like a lacerated liver, something crazy like that. It's, it's also keep in mind it is jail. So if you're <laughs> uncomfortable with certain things, don't watch it. Yeah. Okay, noted, noted. <laughs> anyway, but give it a watch if you like good Muay Thai movies. Right. Okay, so the next question is, let's um pull one from the fans here, from. The comments 
from Terrence Leverett. Can you read this? No? Okay. I can't see it. All right. Do you think it would take Bellator having a 165 division before we get one in the UFC? It took Bellator to crown a 125 woman champ before we got one in the UFC. Your thoughts? That is an interesting question. I don't think the Bellator would be the one to pull the trigger on that. Like an official champion, I doubt they'll be the ones to pull the trigger because don't aren't the aren't the weight classes regulated by the athletic commissions, if I'm not mistaken? <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just laughing at the random random noises in the background. Sure. Uh, that's my cat opening and closing kitchen cabinet, so that's what I live with. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Continue. <laughs> uh, no, the commissions actually don't necessarily. It is actually a pr- promoter. Um, the only reason why I'm saying that is because Elite XC's lightweight division oh, was yeah, at yeah, 160 yeah. pounds instead of 145. Because right. so. I remember the the canceled, the failed card at the end that was canceled was supposed to be Eddie Alvarez and Nick Diaz at 165, right? Uh, 160. 160. That's yeah, right. So you're not wrong. Yeah. So that's uh, that's why. Um, but yeah, I actually don't think I don't know if the UFC is ever going to do a 165 division. Obviously, they kind of need to. Um, but then they would have to do a 55, 65, 75. Yeah. And um, I got to say, the only reason why it's not happening happening is just because they don't want to deal with the um, the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, as also, long as... Like the ahead. shifting of the weight glasses, you know? Sure, I sure. also think just like the way Dana White thinks, it's like if Bellator does it, I understand that like Bellator did 125 women's first, but I feel like that was just kind of a natural progression of the sport. I feel like if Bellator does a 165, Dana White's just adamantly going to be so, so much more against doing it because he doesn't want to be seen as like following what Bellator is doing. Yeah, that's a good point. I also think Dana White just doesn't want to do it because so many people want it, which makes Dana White want it less because yeah. that's how his brain operates. For whatever yeah. reason, if someone goes, I want 165, he's like, nope. And someone says, I don't want Greg Hardy to fight in the co-main event. He's like, well, he is. So that's just how his brain operates. <laughs> yeah, no, especially because especially if more, more and more people keep saying something. So like we kept saying the small cage is better. And he yeah. insisted that there's no difference. And the more people insisted that there was a difference, the more he insisted there wasn't a difference. So, mm-hmm. Like when they <laughs> what was it? The UFC in Chicago, Alex and I were working at Fansided at the time. That's the fight card he kept talking about wanting to bring back the the old Wayans on on the stage mm. where everyone gets up sucked out on stage. Yeah. So Alex Alex and I asked every single fighter at media day like what do you prefer? Yeah. And they were all like it like why would you want to go back to the old way? It's so stupid. Mm-hmm. Like Megan Anderson just went hard on the paint on it. The only one that said she didn't care was Carla Sparza, but she barely cuts weight as is uh, because she fights at 115. And she should probably be an atom weight. Uh, and then Dana White was up on the stage saying like everyone wants to go back. And then I was like, <laughs> I was like who? And he wouldn't give me a name. Nobody so, yeah. wants to go back. Nobody wants to go back. All right. Let's get one from this past weekend here. I can see the questions now. Yeah. So you want me to read them? Do you want to keep reading them? You can read this one. All right. From Mark. So Kiwi underscore MMANZ, longtime commenter. What's next for Olenek? Does he get the loser of JDS and Rosenstreak to rack up his 60th professional (laughs) win? Hashtag the ace. Oh, my God. I forgot. he had. I keep all week before that fight. I kept saying he had 50 pro fights. But for for some reason, the fact that he has 60 baffles me. 
Uh, but what is Dexter Linux? Sure, that makes sense to me. What do you guys think? I think I'm going to go good old Gus. I mean, he's coming off a loss as well. That's another big name for him. I feel like after Derek Lewis, like you can't just like go back to fighting. Sure. No names. I like that. Yeah. I like Gus. That's a good one because um, maybe uh, yeah. No, no, no. That's a and you're going after a smaller, smaller heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Also, if, if I'm not mistaken, Gustafson weighed significantly more than Olenek did when they, during their last two weigh-ins. Yeah, 240 or something, right? Yeah, and Olenek is like 227 or something mm-hmm. wild like that. So if Gustafson wants to stay heavyweight, I'm all for it. Uh, or if, they, if you want to keep with this theme of smaller heavyweights, maybe OSP. He's coming off that loss to Ben Rothwell. I would like him to fight Ben Rothwell. <laughs> ben, Ro- ben oh. Rothwell called him out. Ben Rothwell called him out after his, after their wins at Jacksonville. But I think Ben Rothwell just got a fight matched up. I can't remember who he's fighting off the top of his head. Uh, if Augusto Sakai loses to Overeem, maybe Augusto Sakai, that would be his first loss in the UFC in a while, I think. And Overeem already beat him. So uh, there's a lot of fights for Olenek to take, but I think there needs to be a few fights that need to play out before we can fantasy matchmake. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I actually do. Um, I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I like the guy. I forgot Gus was even fought a heavyweight. So I like that fight a lot, actually. It's two smaller heavyweights throwing down. Yeah, no, I like I like um, Rothwell. That's a good one, actually, because couple grapplers. Yeah, and just a couple grapplers with like a lot of pride in yeah in their grappling. So two two grapplers with like it would be so it'd be the Ezekiel choke versus the Gogo choke, and two fi- two heavyweights that have some of the most fights on the ro- on the roster. Yeah, like like I think when Ben Rothwell was on the A side, he said he fought Tim Sylvia when he was like two and zero. Oh. And then he fought Travis Fulton like two or three times. Like if you fought Travis Fulton back in the day, you know you've been around for a long time. Exactly. All right. Next question. We'll do one for this week. From Sam Harris, 916, another longtime commenter. Also, his profile is a photo of Danny Phantom pre-turning into the Phantom. So much respect. If, o- if Sean O'Malley wins against Chito Vera, do you think uh, Jimmy Rivera would be a good fight to make next? And do you think if Stipe wins, D- if DC wins, Stipe retires? So two questions. Esther, I'll start with you. If Sugar Sean O'Malley beats Chito Vera on Saturday night in the co-main event of UFC 252, do you like the Jimmy Rivera fight? Mm. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Mm. I I don't know. I think he I needs want, a bigger name. Yeah. But no, Jimmy Jim- is going off a really big win. Um, he is. So, yeah, sure. I just feel like it's kind of a... Uh, I, maybe I'm just thinking of how comical the stare down is going to look. <laughs> Alex, what do you think? Do you like no. the Jimmy Rivera matchup or do you want someone else? I know he's like pretty high ranked. He's like top 10, right? But like, I, I really think that... Sh- Sugar Sean, they're going to, after this fight, I feel like this was like the, oh, we're trying to like build him up the right way kind of fight. And then like next, I think we need to kind of skyrocket him a little bit. I want to see him fight like a bigger name. Yeah, I think it's going to depend entirely on how he wins. If he goes out there and beats uh, Chito Vera in like 90 seconds with another knockout, then give him a huge fight. But if he goes out there and it's like a back and forth war and he squeaks out a split decision, 
maybe you give him someone lower down the uh, the totem pole. But there's, I think John Dodson is fighting Marab. I think if Dodson wins, I think Dodson's been a phenomenal barometer for uh, prospects. Like if you look at the people he's lost to, it's like Marlon Vera, um, who uh, Peter Yan, who's the current champion. Uh, DJ's beat him twice. Like if you beat John Dodson, you are a legitimate. Like contender, but then you give him guys like Nathaniel Wood as a as a stepping stone, and he Nathaniel Wood clearly has something to do. So if Dotson wins against even Marab, like Marab's called him out a million times. You keep hearing about Sugar Sean's grappling. No, no one's going to test him in that division like Marab, who has the record for most takedowns in a single fight uh, at Bantamweight. I think he's also one of only two fighters in the UFC to have double digit takedowns in two separate fights. Or technically, Song Yudong beat Marlon Vera in Jacksonville. I know everyone thinks Cheeto won that fight, even though he he lost. But Song Dong technically got the W. He doesn't have a fight up, so I wouldn't hate that fight either. That would be exciting. It um you know because if Feel you really exciting. I, I really think that if you no Mar- Marab is one of those guys that nobody wants to fight. So yeah, um, you might that might be a difficult one to book, but I, I think you could probably get the uh, Song Dong fight. And a hundred percent. And I think if if. The thing going for Marab is I think Sugar Sean and Marab are ranked 14, 15, so they're right there. If they both win and bump up like two or three spots and they're sitting at 10, 11, or 9, 10, ranking-wise, it makes sense. If Sugar Sean wants to show off his grappling, it makes sense. They're both The history's already there because Marab called him out, and Sugar Sean said, Brian Kelher can fight Marab, and the winner gets to be my number one fan. I really liked that. <laughs> That tweet, so but there's a lot of fun fights for Sugar Sean to make. It just depends on how he wins, I think. Second part of that question. Yeah, oh yeah, if question. if DC wins, does Stipe Miocic retire? Alex, what do you think? I don't think so. But now I'm like, well, what does he do now? I don't know. Right. I don't. I haven't really been paying attention like what he's been saying as far as like interviews and stuff. So I don't know if he's been hinting at it. Um, it's certainly not out of the question. Maybe it's a retirement, and then in a year we're gonna he's gonna come back. I don't know. That's always an option. That's a third career choice that I think people forget about. <laughs> Esther, what do you think? Uh, no. <laughs> he's not gonna retire. I think the the answer is no. Uh, he recently did an interview with James Lynch, our friend, a friend of the site, and the, one of the few men who beat me on Between the Links. Um, and he said, Stipe said he doesn't plan on retiring. He doesn't plan on retiring, but that could all change, of course, depending on how that fight plays out. But I think regardless, win or lose, he fights France and Ghanu next. It's either for a vacant title or it's a title defense. I think it just depends on if he wins or loses against DC. Well, who, do you think he's going to win? I don't know. I haven't even made up my mind yet. That fight is so close, and both fights played out so differently that like, after the second Kane fight, like when Kane-JDS happened, you kind of knew how the third fight was going to play out, but because DC and looked so competitive in the second fight for a while before succumbing to the body shots, it's not like Stipe dominated him for five rounds like Kane did the JDS in their second fight. So that's tough, I think. It, but DC has also said that he abandoned the wrestling that was working out for him before, because uh, like Stipe has one of those faces, like like Esther, you photographed a million fights. There are fighters like BJ Penn who just don't get bruised at all. But then Stipe's the guy, you punch him once, and he gets a bruise immediately. And he's, yeah. DC said, after three punches, every punch he would throw, 
he would just leave a mark and it just kind of he just kind of fell in love with striking and he abandoned the wrestling and that ended up being his downfall so if dc shows up and wrestles him maybe but stipe did knock him out pretty violently in that second fight so i don't know i haven't made up my mind yet hmm. all right let's go to uh some questions f- about this bellator this past weekend so mm. uh is Chandler to the UFC a possibility from Ganandra Thapa? Ah, uh, man. Esther, you watched the you watched Bellator 243 this weekend, and you also recorded the uh, post-fight press conferences, so you watched them all, so, uh, so did I. Um, but I'll start with you. Uh, what do you. Where do you think Michael Chandler goes from here? This was a topic on Between the Links, so people pretty much know my take on it, but what is your take on it? Um, I, I think... Yes, because um, he's done pretty much everything he can do in Bellator. And um, he was very complimentary in the post-fight to working with Bellator and how Bellator had built his career. Um, I mean, he's been, you know, working around Scott Coker and uh, even before that for a while because he actually actually fought on an undercard in St. Louis for Strike Force. Oh, wow. Way, way, way long ago. And when I met him, I remember... Tyron Woodley came up to me and was like, look out for this guy. I was like, okay. <laughs> so um, I think he's done everything he's, he's done. He can do in Bellator and he's going to want to see what UFC has to offer. Um, so I think he should go ahead and, and, and make that move. Um, you know, no hard feelings. Just, uh, just gotta go. Who do you want to see him fight first? If he hops over to the UFC, Ooh, I had one in mind. Who did I say I wanted him to fight first? Shoot, I already forgot. Well, while you're thinking about it, Alex, where do you think Michael Chandler goes? To UFC, Bellator, does he go to one to get that rubber match with Eddie Alvarez? There's a lot of options out there for Michael Chandler. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wish I wish I knew what he was making right now because then I think um, that would be obviously more transparent to figure out like where he stacks as far as like what UFC mm-hmm. fighters are getting paid. And it's possible that it's not even going to compare. I mean, I think a lot of people have gone to Bellator and gotten way better deals. Mm-hmm. Um, does he have the star power that like the UFC would probably want from him at this point? Is he past the peak? I don't know. It's always a possibility, but I guess it's just, it, it sounds like it's all about the bottom line for him. So I can't blame him, though. At this point, I think you're right, especially because he does have his adopted son. Years ago, I think Michael Chandler to the UFC would be a no-brainer because he is super competitive. Like, he, like we just, Damon Martin just had that interview with Daniel Cormier where he's like, I think I'm the most competitive person in MMA. Michael Chandler is way up there. He's down to fight anybody just because he, when he was the champion, he's like, I'll fight anyone. I don't care about super fights. I'll fight um Wow, who did Brent Primus in Mass. Every, like, remember that Mass Square Garden card? They had all those super fights. And then Michael Chandler, the company man, just fought the number one contender. Didn't need a super fight. He just wanted to compete. Didn't care who it was against. Uh, and then his post-fight interview, he was like, MMA isn't about the competition. It's about going out there in front of millions and just competing. And So if he wants competition, come over to the UFC uh, or go over to the UFC because I don't think he has anything left to prove in Bellator unless he gets that rematch with Pitbull. But Pitbull's tied up with the featherweight Grand Prix at the moment. I think he needs to come over to the UFC and fight Anthony Pettis right away uh anthony pettis is former champion i they've had to have been champions simultaneously at some point in their careers uh anthony pettis is gonna fight for the title anytime soon he's a super exciting fighter i think that's a really good fight night headliner for when they come back to the apex at some point or he could fight charles Oliveira. 
because I'm not even looking at that as Michael Chandler deserves Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira deserves a big name, and no one in the top five is going to fight Charles Oliveira right now. It's kind of in that odd spot where he could beat anyone, but he's not a big name and can't really speak English, so no one wants to really risk their rankings or a fight that's not going to sell well. So Chandler v. Charles Oliveira, Anthony Pettis, or Dan Hooker. One of those three, okay. in my mind. Unless Cowboy wants to drop down. Well, we got Watch My 666 says uh, Darius or Hooker. That's Benil Darius is what AK keeps saying. But I, I like that fight, but I don't want to reward Benil Darius with a big name after missing weight. That's just, if he had made weight and got that another knockout, sure. Benil Darius, maybe one more fight. And then you can fight Michael Chandler. He also knocked someone out that wasn't even ranked. Uh, and Scott Holzman uh, after missing weight. And I like Benil Darius a lot. He's a very, very nice individual. He's a really good interview. He's a very well-spoken man. Uh, the way he breaks down fights is very, very. He speaks on your level. Like if you, if he knows you're a high level, if you know, if he knows you know a lot about MMA, he can throw out words that no one you'd understand. But if you know nothing about MMA, he can describe a fight and you can follow along perfectly. I just maybe one more fight for Benil before he gets some Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira type fighter. I want to see Benil Darius rematch Alexander Hernandez. Oh yeah, because cool. after their or Drew Dover, one of those two, because Drew Dover just beat I want Hernandez. To see the Alexander Hernandez rematch. I agree. Uh, Mike Heck hates that fight. Oh. <laughs> and I, I like, I like it. The only other thing I would say is if they want to do the Dover fight, they could put it on the undercard of Gaethje Habib. Because Habib and Darius are obviously, oh, and Gaethje are all managed by Ali. So they could throw, and then Dober and Gaethje are training partners. So they would all be peaking together at the same time heading into that fight. All right. Uh, next question, we'll keep in the Bellator theme here. What's next for Valerie, and will we ever see her in the UFC? Well, the second part of the question, probably not anytime soon, but we're going to use this opportunity to speak about Valerie Lareda because, Alex, I know you have a lot of thoughts on the matter. I, a man, probably have less to say about this matter, or what I have to say matters far less uh, because we've had the post-fight show. We've had what the heck. We've had between the links, and on MMA fighting, we have not had one female voice talk about the response to Valerie Lareda or the build-up to Valerie Lareda's fight. So, since I am the only male on the show right now, I will let you two give your give your take on it. Alex, I'll start with you because <laughs> during that fight, we were slacking, and you're like, I, and we knew you were going to have some things to say on the matter. So, the floor is yours. I, I, in my head, I was thinking I was going to come up with like a written statement so that I sure. could gather my thoughts. But, you know, it's frustrating because the way that women have been promoted in, in MMA has been focused on their looks and everything. And that's what gets guys to watch it. You know, and a lot of female fighters will tell you whatever, I don't care as long as people are watching, I don't care why they're watching, but then they love to turn around and slam it in your face when you use it per yourself. You know, you're not allowed to promote yourself in that way. It has to be through somebody else's eyes. And that's, what's just so frustrating. Like everybody loved to comment on Paige Van Zandt and how hot she was or whatever. And then as soon as she started posting stuff on Instagram, I don't know, you could, you could say flaunting it, but I, I wouldn't use that word, but putting herself out there in that way, then people just wanted to, you know, slam her down for it. And it's like, okay, you can't have it both ways. So, like, I don't understand where the disconnect is. Yeah, I would agree. I, you can't have, um, I, the only thing, the only thing I, I, I you know, it's because Valerie's young too, so she's not going to say these things just yet. Uh, she's like 22 or something. Um, 
The only thing I, I would have added to her statement, because um, I know after her fight, she had said, like, look, I just want to make it so that girls who, you know, want to be a girly girl can still, you know, be considered, you know, badass fighters and stuff like that. And I also wanted her to add just then. Also, if you don't want to be, if you <laughs> don't care, you know, if you don't, if that doesn't matter to you, you should also be able to be considered basically the same the same leeway we give to men um you know because you think that we don't judge the male fighters by how they look of course we judge everyone judges the male fighters by how they look also have you ever seen how many male fighters do you know that um shave their armpits probably most i have I've never thought about it, but you're probably right. <laughs> they care about how they look, you know? They care yeah, about sure. how they look. A lot of them tan, you know, that kind of stuff. So they just don't say it and they don't, you know, put it out on social media or whatever. But, you know, it, it's all part of it. It's all part of the marketing. You can't come, you can't say that it matters to market yourself well. And then when somebody does it, you're marketing yourself wrong, mm-hmm. you know, unless right. you're like actively insulting a group of people or anything like that there's really no wrong way to market yourself. And you can't, it's like, there's this spectrum, right? You're like either hyper feminine or you're too muscular. It's like, you have to find this balance of like being the the pretty girl. But if you look too muscular, people call you a man, like people live with a man in units. Like, I'm sorry, where are we supposed to go? Like, why don't you tell me what level of femininity you're comfortable with so that you can watch me fight in a cage? Like, it's just so irrelevant when you put it in terms like that, it's just like, it sounds ridiculous. Like I'm fighting in a cage. You guys want to like talk about that? It's kind of crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, let's talk about how, like how bulging my muscles are, how gorgeous my hair is. Like, just yeah, it's insane. So, what do you what do you think of fellow fighters, fellow female fighters that take issue with Valerie and comments? Was- like, I think like Macy Chieson. Com- yeah. I think it was commented something like that, and even. Valerie Lareda's opponent said a few things and Valerie Lareda said like, oh, you said I was demoralizing the sport. Well, look what I just did to your face. So what do you make of her fellow (laughs) fighters comments? It's a real shame. I mean, I think women putting other women down is a real problem. But I hate when people say like, oh, well, it gives men an excuse to do that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't give anybody an excuse to do that. You know, just because another woman is saying it doesn't make it right for anybody else to say it. Um, I wish we could all just kind of get on board and support each other. But we realize that we're all on the same team and we're all fighting for the same exact thing, which is equality what however you obtain it, it that's that's your prerogative but you can't keep shooting people down you know that's that's not helping anybody what's unfortunate is, is people don't also don't understand i mean they're not in the same way class Chasson and Loretta, but people don't also don't understand that just by nature uh unless you identify as a friend or a training partner with that person most fighters can't stand other fighters <laughs> especially yeah. if they're close to their weight class They'll say like, oh, yeah, fuck that guy or fuck that girl, because it's always just kind of a. uh, you always think about maybe one day I might face them. And Mm -hmm. that's always going to be in the back of their mind. So when I remember whenever I asked fighters like, oh, what do you think of so and so? They'd always be like just kind of squinting their eyes at them, you know, so (laughs) there's there's you have to remember that their fighters are not going to necessarily support each other in that way. And unfortunately, I feel like the fans definitely make it harder for women to support each other um, with being so vocal against someone like Valerie. You're going to have um, other fighters um, join in, basically, so mm-hmm. that they can also be considered by this group of people to be honorable humans. So, 
it's almost like the feeling that there's not enough to go around. There's not yeah. enough attention for female fighters to go around. So they feel like they have to compete for whatever there is. And that's what, like, I always bring up the example, like when I studied in college, like my major was heavily dominated by, by males in the industry. And I never felt like I was competing against the men in my class. I felt like I was competing against the other women because there were only a few women doing it, you know, and that's kind of how I feel that, that, that this works as well in MMA. It's unfortunate, but yeah, that is unfortunate because you, and you're right. Cause when I first started, there was, um, two female photographers and everyone's always like, what do you think about the other photographer? I'm like, why does it matter? There are six mm -hmm. other men here. Mm -hmm. Why, why are you not asking me about the other guys that I'm shooting next to? So exactly. Yes, it is a disappointing thing all around. I, in my opinion, which holds less water than the current, the current, my current co-host, uh, I, I never understood male or females uh, shooting down fighters' skills in general, especially when they're in close to the same weight class. Like, say, Macy Chazon and Valerie Lareda both fought at 125, and they both happen to be a Bellator. Or say, scratch that, maybe Paige Van Zandt and Valerie, and someone's like, they're not going to fight anytime soon just based on their records and how long they've been in the sport, but that could be far further down the road. Paige Van Zandt goes out there and says, she sucks, she's this, she's that. I'm like... If you're shooting her skill set down and you fight and you beat her, you beat a bum. Yeah. If she beats you, you <laughs> lost to a bum. Good like point. I never, male or female, I never understood fellow fighters shooting down opponents' skill sets in their weight class because that just gives you gives your haters an excuse. You either beat a bum or you lost to a bum. But if you, like Gaethje is like, Habib is the best fighter on planet Earth. I, it is going to be the hardest thing I've ever done. Daniel Cormier said the same thing about John Jones. They might not like each other, but Daniel Cormier was like, John Jones is the greatest fighter who ever lived. And then if he beat him, it's that much bigger of a deal. If he said John Jones sucks and then he beats him, well, he sucked. Yeah. What so I never, I never, I never understood that that argument for that fighters make. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's I'm not gonna try to input on the male versus female conversation because I don't. I've never experienced that from your side of the world. Um, <laughs> It's just disappointing all around. But I will say a lot of my friends on Instagram that follow MMA or are fringe fans that are female are huge Valerie Lareda fans now. And they all shared that clip of her saying, like, I demoralized your face. I broke your face when she was, like, visibly shaking up there. Like, she seemed out of breath. Like, yeah. Sajar Eubanks commented on her Instagram. And she was like, why is she so out of breath? And then all the comments were like, she's angry. She's like shaking. She's like <laughs> yeah, literally yeah. shaking with rage. You could see how much of a relief she was. So she gained a lot of fans uh, just from my from my friends. Yeah. After that conversation, after that, after her words. Yeah, actually, uh, um, uh, Mike Heck interviewed her and that's going to be on mm -hmm. what the heck this week. Um, and there's some it was, it was really good, really good answers um, to to all of that. So I can't wait for you all to hear it. But let's uh, I'm going to go ahead to um let me move this one from ollie another long time comment do you think the ufc giving cody garber a 125 title shot uh the worst thing they could have done for the flyweight division and who do you think wins well two few things i'm not even gonna even think about that fight because what's it all the way in november like remember when Gilbert Burns was supposed to fight Kamara Usman in July and then yeah. it fell out like 11 days it's hard in this climate to think that far ahead of fights because remember habib and gaichi were uh, habib i mean habib and tony were supposed to fight in new york and then tony and gaichi were supposed to fight in norcal in april and that got pushed to may like it's hard for me to think about november but in a perfect world 
this fight happens, I want to see Cody make weight. I want to see Figueredo make weight make weight because he's had issues making weight. Cody Garbrandt's never made 125, and then we could talk about it. But Esther, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, kinda. I really, it's why do they keep doing that? They're sabotaging 125 by doing this. Yep. Um, there are so many 125 um, contenders. Uh, there's Brenda Moreno, for example. But so I just don't think that they need to to do this because it makes it seem like there aren't there there isn't enough talent at flyweight when there clearly yeah. is. Alex, your thoughts? I actually disagree. I think that this is probably the best thing that they could do for the flyweight division as it stands right now. The names that are coming up in the top five, they're not big names. They're not household names. They're not, I don't want to say they're not anybody, but in the way that things stand right now, they're not. And Cody Garbrandt is a name. And if they're trying to build up the flyweight division, at least in terms of popularity and people watching it, um, I don't think it's the worst thing that they could have done. Yeah, I think it's shitty, and I'd be friggin' pissed if I'm Brenda Moreno or Alex Perez or whoever else is coming up. Yeah, that's frustrating, but I'm not. And I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm me, and I don't think it's the worst thing that they could have done. I'm going to be in the middle, and I'm going to say it will be great if Cody stays at 125, mm-hmm. and it will be terrible if he wins and then goes back to 135. He knocks off a champion and then bails. Like, if Cody Garbrandt says, I will stay at 125 and fight contenders, awesome. But if he pulls a GSP, wins and dips out, it's not going to be great because they just lost their current champion, who Guillermo Cruz is on uh, the A-side last week. He says Figueredo could be the next big thing in Brazil. Still lives there. Doesn't speak English, has a super fascinating backstory where he's worked all these odd jobs. He could be the next big deal. It's like he said, Amanda Nunes doesn't really like connect with the Brazilian uh, fans because she lives in America. She wore the U.S. soccer team shirt at the press at the media days and mm-hmm. press conferences. Figueiredo's their next guy. Cody Garbrandt knocks him off and then leaves. They lose their current champ and then they lose the biggest name they have. If Cody stays great. I think Cody personally. Should have stayed at 135 and fought Sugar Sean if he wins because if they want a big fight, that's a big fight. And then I think Perez should have fought Figueredo, and then Askarov should have rematched Moreno because they fought to a draw in Mexico. But that's just me. If Cody wins and stays, that is awesome for the flyweight division. It's fair. You, so you don't point. think it's going to be awesome if uh, Figgy just knocks him out? Oh, if Figueredo goes out there and crushes Cody Garbrandt, I think that's the best case scenario for the flyweight division. But yeah. that's... I, I, again, I don't want to even think about that fight until they make weight and we're in November because it's the current climate is so unpredictable. Yeah, well, I mean, I just, you know, Figueredo's the god of war, so. Yeah. He is. Figueredo's a bad, bad dude. He, like, I like Joe B a lot, but that was a, that was hard, that was a mauling. That was a, that was a bully mugging someone in a locker. Manel Cape, yes. I love, I wish, like, selfishly, I know. So, Manel Cape, former Ryzen champ, uh, that Esther has shot many a time. Selfishly, I wanted uh, Perez to fight Manel Cape uh, on the same card as yeah, Figueredo yeah, yeah. and Cody Garbrandt, and then Moreno and um, Askarov rematch. So, we would have had six flyweight. Because Moreno Perez is already booked for the undercard of Figueredo and Garbrandt, unless they want to scrap that fight and remake it, uh, remake the Manel Cape Perez fight. Because I think Manel Cape is awesome, but he shouldn't get a title shot right away. Beating Perez deserves that. Then you would have had six flyweight fights. And I, I can't remember who it was. They wanted all flyweights on the main card. 
that's how you build the division. Yeah, I, I definitely think that they have to include at least one more other flyweight fight on the main card and then one other in the prelims for that particular card. If you wanted to build a division, people have to see the other fighters mm-hmm. in the division. So, Alex, your thoughts? I have no more thoughts on this. <laughs> 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 All right, we'll Luke, Rockhold, <laughs> Luke Rockhold versus Chris Weidman from Zaku Kokegi on the site. This seems like a perfect time to do the rematch. How do you see this fight going? Uh, I think Casey thought the same thing. I want to see Chris Weidman and Anderson Silva 3. I made my thoughts known on uh, the post-fight show. So, Esther, I'll start with you. You've shot Rockhold everywhere. Strike Force, <laughs> UFC, all that. You fought, shot Weidman everywhere. You shot pretty much the entire middle eight division. So, what do you think? What's next for these two men? Uh, I would actually, I would like to see that rematch. Although I, I don't, um, I don't think Luke would want it. Um, just the same way Weidman doesn't want the Silva rematch. You know, these guys are like, well, I won. Uh, I don't want to give the guy a rematch. So, sure. Um, I do. Chris Weidman versus Anderson Silva does does make sense. But so does Luke Rockhold versus Chris Weidman. I actually think Luke and um, Chris are actually closer in um, Mm -hmm. their place in life. Um, And I think that that would make make a bit more sense than um, than Silva. But, uh, you know, the the Silva fight is for the money. You'd be doing it because you'd be earning more money. So. Oh, yeah. Alex. Yeah, I think Rockhold versus Weidman is probably does bigger numbers. it's just so annoying to me. Like I'm more annoyed by people coming out of retirement than I am by people getting title shots off of losses. Like this sure. just is so fresh. Like I have the phrase comes out of retirement, like muted on Twitter. Like I don't, I don't want to see it. If Henry Cejudo ever announces it, I won't see it. So somebody please let me know. Like, I just find that very annoying. Um, well he, I, I believe Rockhold, I want, I hope I'm getting this right. Rockhold gave an interview to our friends over at submission radio. Rockle says he's down to rematch Weidman if that's what he wants. But he also mentioned Darren Till and Jack Hermanson. Those are the three names he mentions. He wants someone relevant. I also would not say no to Luke Rockhold versus Anderson Silva. Because I'm pretty sure they were champions simultaneously they at were. one point in their career. And I would love that fight that we never got. That, if we're talking about fresh fights, not rematches... Don't hate that fight either. Oh, actually, yeah. If you come out of retirement, you start like making demands. Like, I want Darren Till. Like, okay, let's... Right. Like, that's what's right. <laughs> well, Darren Till's out for like nine, 12 months with a blown out knee, so he's not going to be fighting anytime soon. If that fight, I also wouldn't hit Darren Till versus Anderson Silva. They both are, they both can speak Portuguese. I mean, the Portuguese media would love that, uh, or the Brazil and the Brazilian media would love that. So, there's a lot of fun fights for the middleweight division right now. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I just gonna, I'm just going to bring this one up because we have to address that this is not true. Mm hmm. Thoughts on Tied to Ivasa and Tyson Pedro getting cut. I heard Tied to I saw Tied to Ivasa uh, from Watch My Six 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 on the YouTube comments. I saw Ty comment that, but I haven't really seen anything about it, and I hadn't heard of Tyson Pedro. I know Tyson Pedro hasn't fought since losing to Shogun, if I'm not mistaken, right down in was it Adelaide? Adelaide. Uh, yeah. That part. Yeah, Adelaide. So I hadn't heard that one, but that's not true, you say? Uh Tied to Ivasa said he was kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, not a very yeah, funny joke, but Uh, a joke nonetheless so just letting y'all know it was not true Tied to Ivasa's name came up a lot (laughs) during the I saw on the YouTube comments and Twitter for post fight shows and stuff when talking about prospects brought up too quickly after Edmund's loss because he came up pretty quickly and got thrown in against JDS in a main event uh, and lost but he looks good in that fight but he's lost two cents 
So, but good thing they're not cut. Glad they're not cut. Okay, I'm. I'm Ty's a lot of fun. I wish Ty fought Justin Willis. I wish Justin Willis didn't get cut solely for that fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a bit, this is a fun one from the uh, Twitters. Ooh, from. <laughs> Kiwi underscore MMA and Z. It's another comment. Hash the A side. What's the most ridiculous fact you know? You don't know how or why you remember. You just do. Is this directed at all of us? I guess so. Yeah. <sighs> um, I've got I've got one. Okay. Shoot. Uh, the the original flavor for the filling inside of Twinkies was banana flavored. Oh. Ooh. And that's like come that. up in a trivia night before, and I felt like a friggin' genius. There's no reason to uh, know that fact. It was on a like a Snapple cap, probably. Huh. Esther, what's your most ridiculous fact? I don't have one. You know, um, I wish I had some kind of weird, ridiculous fact. Um, just trivia, but I'm I'm really bad at trivia night. I, I you know, um, the only thing I'm good at at trivia night is. The part where you know you like name that tune or whatever. Sure, sure. Um, but uh, and like random history stuff. But yeah, I just don't have any. Fazek wants to say hi. Oh hey. I think the two I have two. One of them is just ludicrous and is fun, and the other one is pretty mind blowing, in my opinion. The ludicrous one is the state of Ohio is the only state that doesn't share a letter with the word mackerel. I think that's always a fun one when people ask for a random fact. Right. <laughs> so you really your face. Because you think about it and you're like, huh, that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> and then I was told this a, like in elementary school. If you fold a paper, I think 104 times, this over and over and over and over, it is thicker than the observable universe mathematically. I thought that was, uh, it was impossible to fold. It is impossible. Okay. But if it is, like, I think you can't, like, technically it's possible, depending on uh, the size of the sheet of paper and the power you can generate. Like, if you had a, say, a crane folding a football-sized field piece of paper, probably, because you could be able to flatten it. But if you fold it 104 times, so that would be basically 2N, N representing the number of folds, it would be 2 to the 140th power, which would be a Yoda meter, which is pretty, which is massive. Uh, so yeah, if you fold the paper 104 times, it is bigger mathematically than the observable universe. And that is my ridiculous fact. What is the observable universe? Uh, what we are able to see with telescopes in the human eyes. Okay. So if you fold a paper 104 times, it is bigger than that. Mathematically. Okay. Oh, I did learn something yesterday, uh, that I did not know. Um, Shoot. that college basketball, uh, Jersey numbers, don't use six, seven, eight, or nine. Yeah, I know because you can only because the refs use so their hand signals. Yeah, so if fifteen gets a foul, they hold up a one and a five. So they they you so five is the most digits you can use on one hand. Yeah. So they can't go like one seven. Yeah. Also, I had uh, read although speaking about uh, although in in uh, Asia we do have we count to ten in one hand. Oh wow! We'll, we'll show us that. <laughs> <laughs> they, I also read somewhere that. In North Korea, their rules in basketball are just outrageous. Like in the last 30 seconds, like a three-pointer is worth like five points or something crazy like that. And they're only allowed like a limited number of dunks a game. Like it's basically not basketball, but they call it <laughs> basketball. 
It's basically so if you're blowing someone out and you're down like 50, you can just come back and make it exciting in the, like the last minute. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. So I'm going to go look that. up the actual rules. <laughs> There's like a four-point shot too. <laughs> uh, oh, all right. So that... I don't have uh, I don't have a cat opening and closing cabinets here, but just you're haunted. Yeah, house is haunted. Um, this is kind of a weird one, and I'm not really sure. What? Oh, interesting. From hashtag, no, no, number one heart surgeon. I think that's an office reference. Uh, what is the ideal role that a manager should play in the fighter's career? Seems like some managers like to use the fighters as personal mouthpieces, taking control of their Twitter accounts and involving them in personal vendettas. Does this come along with the territory of MMA or is this something that should change? Esther, you've been around MMA longer than both of us or at least been covering the sport longer than both of us. What do you think I'm, the role of the manager should be? I, you know, this just reminds me of how Gilbert Burns yesterday was um, complaining that he's like, oh, people think that Ali runs my... Twitter and then he he's like if Ali ran my Twitter uh, let's see how quickly he can delete this and it was a video he had uh, face swapped Ali's face oh I saw that yes. yeah 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 that's that is so funny On top of a bunch of <laughs> I forgot uh, about that Taylor Swift and some other videos so um, yeah no uh, whew, managers role you know in boxing uh, managers are their mouthpieces actually mm -hmm. um you'll find managers and coaches tend to do most of the talking and i actually don't mind it i it, i don't know if necessarily it's ideal i would say it depends on the fighter right so if you're a fighter that maybe is more quiet and um someone who should have kind of an air of mystery around you say like fedor you should have somebody else speak for you uh same with brock lesnar you know somebody else should speak for you um i don't agree necessarily with a, a manager's like uh, running a fighter's Twitter or social media, um, especially without being forthcoming about it, especially if they start beefs. Um, <laughs> because then, you know, I mean, it's not genuine. And also it might not. Um, that's not the how the, if that's not how the fighter feels, you know, you're, you're just kind of dragging people into this. Um, but overall, I actually do think that it is kind of the manager's role. It's a little different in MMA because we find you, you'll find uh, managers with like much larger stables. Yeah, that's not really the case in other combat sports. Unless you count professional wrestling, right? When you come out with like a, a swarm of wrestlers that you're quote unquote representing. But Alex, what do you think managers the role of managers should be? Yeah, I don't know how it works in other sports as much, but it, it, yeah, it doesn't really bother me if they want to be that mouthpiece. Um, I, I agree with that. So with the social media, if you want to put something out on their social media, then you need to put like a little dash with like your initials that like this came from you. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, think Stipe, with our sport, I think Stipe does that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I, I just think with like MMA, like it's so we all know it's so much more important to be a personality than it is anything else. And if you're if you're just not good at it naturally, then sometimes you do need somebody else to speak on your behalf. If that manager wants to make money off of you. They're just going to take it into their own hands. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. But again, as long as it's, they're doing it with the fighter's permission, uh, then whatever. Fair game. I I agree that if they if fighters are uncomfortable on the mic and this and that, then their manager should be their mouthpiece as long as the manager doesn't make it all about them. Mm. Like if they start picking – like if a manager starts picking beef with specific fighters or other managers and then it's just like, is this about your fighter or is this about you? Yeah, when uh, Ali and Abe Kawa are kind of going at it, 
and you're like yeah. through other accounts you're like we know who's talking it should just be you <laughs> yeah 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 like when jorge and camaro were tweeting at each other and then everyone's like so i see abe and ali are just yelling at each other through their <laughs> fighters <laughs> uh, but i do think i i do like when fighters put the dash i know uh, when barack obama was the president he would do that because he obviously has a team yeah but when he would tweet it would say like dash o mm-hmm. just to know that it was him steepy i think does that too when he put that long thing about how like i'm not afraid of dc after every single one said like dash yeah. sm yeah i like that idea um we have a uh, random question from a guilherme cruz <laughs> <laughs> so this is about the ufc4 video game probably from yes, uh guilherme cruz from our side is Dana White still available? And then someone says, uh, Mikey Bats in UFC 3, he was playable in like three weight classes, LMAO, hashtag UFC 4. Uh, as far as I know, Dana White is still in there. And as far as I know, he is still in like several weight classes. Uh, I just unlocked Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, okay. so I haven't had an opportunity to play them yet. But they look cool. Uh, I've pretty much only been playing a lightweight outside of a few fights as uh, Israel Adesanya because he's and enjoy it. he seems like built for video game but oddly enough the most fun in terms of like cool moves in the game that i've found is ask stairs has like the most enjoyable uh arsenal of kicks and punches and submissions and everything because he's just so unorthodox that doesn't seem odd it seems actually pretty realistic yeah it's it's one of those things where like you don't think like when you get the video game you don't want like oh i can't wait to play ask stairs but then when you play this thing you're like wow this is super fun he's just not like his kicking power isn't as hard, his head, his stamina isn't as great, his grappling isn't as great, but like the moves he has are a lot of fun. I've been blasting through UFC for the career mode, and you can like make like relationships with fighters, and you have to check your social media and like respond <laughs> to people and this and that. Like, like Whoa. when I set the rec, like when I set the record for most title defenses, Anderson Silva was like, "Congratulations, so and so, for breaking my record," but then. Like Kevin Lee got hurt, and he's like, "Sorry, I can't fight." And you can be like, "You're dodging me," or you can be like, "Don't worry, man, we'll get it back in the future." And you could like build your relationships. Me and Alex Caceres and Mark Diacasey are best friends. <laughs> it's very <laughs> funny, just like the randomness of that game. And and uh, Paul Felder hates me because I beat him five times wow. and won't train. Well, because I ran. I, I'm at the point where it's like the year 2050. And Mark Paul Felder has fought me five times. I beat him every time, and I won't train with him. So your fighter is named Butthead Brown. Uh, Alex, yep. if you got to name your fighter when you, when you finally get the game, who would you? Yeah. What would you? What fake name would you give your fighter? The Sugar Bitch. The Ooh. Sugar bitch. What would your nickname be? Because <laughs> my because like think they I give you. One at that point. So they give you like a huge list of nicknames to pick from, and that's just so like Bruce Buffer can announce you in the game. And then you even have to make yeah. a fake Twitter handle and everything. So mine is the butcher. So I'm the butcher butthead brown, and my Twitter hashtag, my Twitter handle is butthead butcher. Music to me. Yeah, see, it's a good time. There's no Providence, Rhode Island as a hometown option. Oh really? What? It's so yeah. I was like, I was like, excuse me. Just because we don't have any fighters in the UFC doesn't mean we don't exist. So you know where I made Butthead Butcher from? Quakertown, Pennsylvania, because apparently that's more important than Providence, Rhode Island. Who's from Quakertown, Pennsylvania? <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Could not tell you whatsoever, but that is where the 40-0 and 0 lightweight champion of the world, uh, Butthead Brown, is from. Also knocked out Robbie Lawler to become a champ champion, welterweight and lightweight. 
so we're, that game is the the algorithm is absurd in that game too. So does Dana White look different in every weight class? No. 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 It's like he's like short for heavyweight, but like tall for like a welterweight. Oh, so he's just like stretched out. No, no, like compared to other welterweights, oh, he looks taller. Oh, so he's exactly the same size. To heavyweight. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know. I haven't played every single weight class yet. I also have not played as any female fighters yet, so I couldn't tell you how they look. Oh, man, PJ. <laughs> PJ Higgins, where is Providence? Providence is in Rhode Island. Smallest state, longest name, shortest motto. Should be the first state. PJ says it doesn't but exist. That's not true. He knows that. Well, where is he from? Chicago? Isn't that where the country stops from the people that are from there? So, yeah. <laughs> Providence, Rhode Island, Northeast. You'll find it. <laughs> You know, we have really, really, we have excellent payroll systems in Providence, Rhode Island that we wow. don't need. Wow. Wow. That, um, that is another random fact there. I can it's hear not a fact. in the other room right now. <laughs> That's just, that is a complete inside joke with, between me and PJ. Oh, there we go. Callan Chukagan from Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Wow. So much respect to Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Then you and Butthead Brown, Butthead Brown and Callan Chukagan both. Uh, contenders from Quakertown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right. Um, we are winding down here, so I wanted to know um, if we've missed anything. I'm trying to... Uh, I don't think going so. Through, I'm going to start going through the comments one more time just to see if I miss anything. Sure. Sure. While you're... Uh... And it, let's talk UFC 4, because that game is... We can't, we can't talk about it because none of us have That's played true. it yet. So you'll have to, you know, I'll have to, when does it come out? I, I know. August 14th. There we go. August 14th. Wait, that's Friday. A couple days. Yeah. Friday. It's a little while. Like it's pretty realistic in the fact that I, I was like 15 and 0, 14 and 0 with all knockouts and they still wouldn't give me a title fight. And I was on like 150, 150 contract. I was like, this is too realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Like they, I beat. So I had a KO win over Dustin Poirier, who eventually became champ. And then I was like, well, I had, I was, so I was the number one ranked lightweight. Dustin Poirier was the champion. I had already beaten Dustin Poirier earlier on in our careers. Naturally, you'd assume I'd get the title shot. Nope, they gave me number nine Evan Dunham instead. And then I win, and then fall to number three. Hmm. Too realistic. <laughs> this is kind of weird. We're we're getting this kind of question from like three different people, and I'm not sure why it's coming up. But uh... if both fighters retire Saturday, who is your next heavyweight title matchup? France and Gano has to be one of them. Mm-hmm. You'd have to. You on paper it should be Curtis Blades, but he's zero and two to France and Gano. So I, I don't know him. Maybe Derek Lewis. Yeah, that's the uh, suggestion here. Yeah, it would have to be the the rematch in five rounds. Oh my god, if that fight for if the replays from the first fight, but in five rounds, mm. Alex, what do you think? I'm just trying to picture in my head both of them retiring like in the octagon in a quiet arena. Like I'm retiring, and the other guy's like, no, I would be. I'm I'm also retiring. <laughs> <laughs> they put their gloves down together. Yeah, yeah. I'm just Aww. trying to imagine. I. You know, um, what do you, what did you think about um, Javier Mendez saying that if DC wins, he doesn't think DC will retire? Um, I th- more money talks, obviously, and DC, I'm sure, would not say no to huge monetary 
benefits coming his way in the contract. I still think there's only three names he'd come out of retirement for. Uh, two of them will never happen. Those would be Fedor and Brock Lesnar. And the third would be John Jones, which I would give maybe a 33% chance of happening. Uh, but if, if John Jones and the UFC aren't on the best of terms right now, I don't know if they'd open the if they back the Brinks truck up for a third fight between those two. Hmm. Well, that one's hard because I'm not really even sure. Uh, <laughs> I never seem to know the status of, status of John Jones, whether or not he's eligible to fight. Sure, that's yeah. very true. That's a good point. <laughs> I also think it would depend on how the fight plays out. If he goes out there and crushes Stipe like he did the first fight and comes out unscathed, maybe. If he has a fight like Alexander Gustafson, yeah. where it's just like back and forth war, he's all beat up, he has concussions and everything, and he goes home and his eye is swollen shut and he sees his family, I don't think he'll fight again, even if he wins. But So I think it would depend on how he wins, if he wins. Actually, that's that's fair. I do think that um, if he somehow knocks out Stipe in the first round, then for sure he would probably feel the itch to keep fighting um, mm-hmm. and probably will call out Jones. Um, but... Uh, if not, yeah, if he's beat up, he's probably going to look at his kids and want to stop doing that. Hey guys, Jose Young's here again, host of the A-Side Live Chat. Just want to say apologies again for the technical issues with this episode. We hope you enjoyed it nonetheless ahead of UFC 252 on Saturday night, and we hope to see you back in future episodes.